Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather digitally with one another to lift up the name of Jesus. And Father, we're reminded that your word tells us in James that if there are any that are sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them. And Father, today I'm reminded of those that are a part of the Silver Creek family that need a touch physically, Lord, in their bodies. And I pray, Father, that your healing power would rest upon them today. Lord, your word says that when we call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil, we pray the prayer of faith. It says that that prayer of faith will bring healing into the life of that sick person. And so, Father, today we pray for healing and restoration. Lord, we pray for those that are dealing with cancer, those that are fighting that terrible disease. Father, for others that are struggling with anxiety and depression, for others that are dealing with various systems in their body which are not functioning the way they were designed to function, Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would touch them. Lord, I'm reminded that your word says that by Jesus' stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. Father, I pray today that that promise would be applied to those who need it today. We thank you for your word. We stand on your word. We rely on it today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Father, may we hear tremendous testimonies of how you are working in people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you today. Welcome to Church Online here at Silver Creek. It's great to be able to share this message with you. And I know that over the past four months that many of you have gone through tremendous changes in your life. A few weeks ago, I put a question out on social media asking people to tell me how their lives have changed, how they have had to pivot due to what's been happening in our country, primarily regarding COVID-19. One person responded to me that they had been furloughed for the past several months without pay, and they did not know where their income was going to come from, and they were not receiving any unemployment benefits at all. I pray that God will provide for that person. One person told me that they had not been able to see their children for the past three months. I love watching some of the memes on social media. I watch some of the news programs and we see that news correspondents will be working from home and they're recording a news segment and we'll see their children walking in the room and walking behind them or some other disturbance or we'll, we'll hear a baby cry in the background. Those are changes that they are dealing with in their everyday life. I know some of you had to uh, postpone, cancel, change, setback vacations. 
I have one couple that has had to change their wedding date twice, and they're hoping that the third time is the charm. I had one educator tell me in our community that one of the biggest changes in his life is that he is now able to eat lunch on a regular basis. We've all been forced to do things differently. Today we're going to continue our series called Pivot, and that word pivot refers to a shift to a new strategy. And today I want to talk about us as individuals. How do we need to personally pivot in our own thinking, in our own actions during this critical time? What changes do we need to make in our lives? And how do we really go about making those changes, those pivots. And I want to start out, and the first thing that I want to mention and I want to encourage us to do is that we may need to establish new goals. I want to tell you about a young man named John. John grew up on the mission field in Mexico. John married my niece, Molly, and they have three beautiful children. John is a web developer in the Minneapolis area. John's father-in-law, who was my brother-in-law, Kevin, he owned a limo service there in the Twin Cities. And one of the problems that his limo service faced was there was a struggle in being able to schedule an available driver to meet the need of a client who had called and was looking for a ride at a specific time to a certain place. John approached his father-in-law and they had a discussion and John offered to create an app for their business that would allow them to be more organized in scheduling those drivers and matching them up with the business that was coming in. Well, it wasn't a long time after that and Kevin wound up selling the limo business to one of his employees. I can only imagine what John was thinking after all the time and all the effort that went into developing this app for his father-in-law. He probably thought to himself, well, what do I do now? John had to reevaluate his situation. He had to look at the energy and the time and the resources that it took him to develop this app, and he had to begin to set for himself some new goals. So John began to market this web tool. And now, Book Rides Online, pre-COVID, had 300 clients, 300 companies that he was selling his, his web application to around the world. I think it's amazing that a large portion of the income that John received from this app that he created goes to supporting missionaries and missions projects around the world. We read in Acts chapter 16 about the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. The Holy Spirit during that journey was keeping Paul from doing something that Paul wanted to do, that Paul had intended to do. Paul wanted to preach into the area known as Asia. He wanted to begin to open up that, that new area of the world in preaching the gospel. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was keeping him or preventing him from going into that area. We read there in Acts chapter 16 that Paul had a vision. 
And in that vision, he saw a man. And he knew that that man was from the area of Macedonia. And the man said, come to Macedonia and help us. After that vision, Paul determined that God was calling him not to go to Asia as he had wanted to do, but to change his direction and pivot and then go to Macedonia and begin to preach to the Macedonians. And he did so immediately and left and went about doing that. Paul's plan was to go to Asia, but he felt like the Holy Spirit was blocking him and standing in his way, but he pivoted from his original plan, his original strategy, he pivoted to something that was new. Let's read from the book of Philippians chapter 3. In verses 13 and 14, Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul understood what it meant to leave something behind that you want to do and pivot and move toward that new goal to begin to fulfill what God had called him to do. You know, I think that sometimes you and I, we get used to doing things a certain way. We get really comfortable because we know what to do. In fact, we can sort of really, we can begin to do it without even thinking because we've done it so many times and we're comfortable and we have often in our mind an idea of how we want to do things. And I believe that we are in a time in our world right now where we are not able to do those things the way we've always done them. We're not able to go about business as usual. We're not able to do those things the, the way that we're used to doing them. We're now being forced to go about doing them differently in ways that are very uncomfortable. And the idea that we have about how we should do something, we're not able to go about doing it that way. And I think that that is causing an extreme amount of emotional stress and duress in our lives. And I want us as believers, as followers of Christ, to understand that we don't have to just sit still. We don't have to just say, well, that's it. The way's blocked. I can't do anything. But there is a way for us to move forward. Let's look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, where John the Revelator says, What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. You see, I believe that at this time, God is going to open new doors to you. 
I believe that there are things that you never believed that you would be able to do or that you would do and you're going to do them because of what's happening in our country right now. But in order to do that, we must take a moment and we must begin to set some new goals in our lives. Ask God, God, what would you have me to do? Take a look around us. God, what doors are you opening for me at this time in my life? You see, goals, they're the starting point. They're that, that, that it provides that target for our destination. And I believe that if we will take time and if we will think about it and ask God, God, what would you have for me? What are the desires that are in your heart that line up with God's heart and the doors that are open to you? I believe that God is going to move you into new areas and you are going to accomplish new things. I think about my, my, ne my niece Molly's husband, John. What would happen if John had just said, well, that's it. I guess, I guess my father-in-law sold the business. There's nothing else to do. Think of all the work in the kingdom of God around the world that would not be supported had he not continued to change his goal, change his direction, pivot, and then move forward in that door that God had opened to him. Number two, I want to share something with you that for many of us, it can be difficult, but I want to share this. Number two, do it as soon as you can. When it comes to change, it's very difficult. Someone shared with me the other day that a friend of theirs had scheduled an appointment for some sort of a procedure and their rationale was, I'm going to schedule it first thing in the morning because if I get up and I begin to go about my day and that appointment isn't till later in the day, I know I'm going to back out of it. I'm going to chicken out. When it comes to change, when it comes to pivoting, we need to do it as soon as we can. I believe that there is something in our minds that until we actually make that decision, an act of our own will, that even though we might say we're going to make a change, that we're going to make a pivot, I believe we're not going to make that pivot until there is an act of our own will to do it. Well, another way to say that is this. Don't wait to be forced to do something. Don't wait to be forced to make a pivot or a change in your life at this time. If you find yourself stymied, if you find yourself not moving forward in a healthy way, I want to remind you of an Old Testament prophet that we read about. His name was Jonah. And Jonah was told by God to go to what was called a great city, the city of Nineveh. We read about it in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. What God was saying to Jonah was, I want you to take my message to the city of Nineveh. And the message was this, you need to repent for your sins. And in fact, if you don't repent, and, and in fact, that wasn't even repent for your sins because judgment is coming. 
So this message that God wanted Jonah to send was very important. And there's a problem because Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. I came across some historical um, documentation, a historical uh, um, um, writing that I, I was doing some study on Jonah and on the Ninevites. And I came across a reason why possibly Jonah did not like the Ninevites. You see, there had been many prophets that had come into that, that great city and preached about God's impending judgment. And the Ninevites had killed those prophets. In fact, they had taken, according to this account, the heads of those prophets and they put them on stakes leading into the city to remind any would-be prophets of God that were going to declare God's judgment that they were not welcome in that city. And Jonah wanted Nineveh to get what was coming to them. He didn't want to obey God. In fact, Jonah went in the opposite direction. He ran away from what God wanted him to do because he didn't want to obey God. You see, Jonah knew that God is a merciful God and that God might change his mind and Jonah wanted the judgment of God to come on those people. So the Bible says that Jonah boarded a boat that was bound for Tarshish. He literally was going in the opposite direction that God wanted him to go. It sort of reminds me sometimes of how you and I respond when God wants us to do something. But the Bible says that there was a violent storm. And the storm was so bad that it threatened to break up the ship. So the crew did the only thing that they knew to do, and they began to throw everything overboard that was not nailed down. And after they got rid of everything, the situation was not improving. And so they literally began calling out on God. They decided eventually, because it wasn't changing, that someone, someone has had to have done something against their God. So whoever you pray to, let's find out who this person was. And they decided to do what the Bible calls cast lots. I would liken that to drawing straws. I remember that when I was a kid, one of the ways my mother used to settle I don't want to say disagreements, but if two people wanted the same thing and there was only one of them and there was, of course, three boys in our family, we would have to draw straws. And I have to say that I hated drawing straws because I never won. Jonah, he was like me. He did not win. He lost. And those sailors they were so uh they were so amazed they said man what in the world did you do to cause this to happen because this storm is about ready to kill all of us jonah's answer was this guys i'm i'm a hebrew and i serve the one true God, and, and God has made all of this. He's made the ocean, he made the storm, he made the waves, he made the wind, and, and it's my fault. And, and they, they, he, he told them, I, I think you should throw me overboard. 
Now, that was a pretty bold statement, and, and those sailors, they did not want to do that. They thought if, if, if God is this powerful, what's he going to think if we throw over one of his own people? And so they tried to, uh, with all of their might, to row back to shore, but they just weren't able to do it. And finally, they just resigned themselves to the fact that they were going to have to try the only thing left that they knew to try, and that was to throw him overboard. And they literally cried out to God and said, God, do not hold us accountable for this. So they threw Jonah overboard, and the Bible says that immediately the sea was calm. And God provided a great fish that swallowed Jonah And I think it's interesting to note that Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Let's read about it in Jonah chapter 2, beginning right away uh, in verse number 1. He said, it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I want you to get this. Jonah had been in the belly of the fish for three days before he prayed. Now, let me ask you a question. How long would you need to be in the belly of a fish before you cried out to God? Think about it. The storm wasn't enough to get Jonah to cry out to God. Being swallowed by a fish was not enough to get Jonah to change his mind, to begin to pivot. Day one in the belly, not enough. Day two in the belly of the fish, not enough to get Jonah to pivot. It wasn't until after the third day that Jonah finally decided that I'm going to cry out to God, I'm going to pivot. And my counsel to you today is this. Do not wait to be forced to pivot. Do not, be, do not wait to, um, to be forced to to make a change in your life. When you have run into a wall and there's no way around it and maybe God is opening doors to the left and to the right for you, don't be so hard-headed that you say to yourself, I have to go straight through this. I have to do what I ultimately want to do. Don't wait to be forced. Begin to pivot now. Most of us have plenty of experience and memories going into a a store called JCPenney. Our own store right here in Marquette closed in the last couple of years. But JCPenney has experienced a very difficult time during COVID. In fact, they filed for bankruptcy on May 15th. They found themselves saddled with $4.2 billion in debt. They'd lost money over the the last nine years in a row. And the pandemic simply made it worse. And during the pandemic, it forced JCPenney to have to close their final 850 stores. They got to the point where they were forced 
to have to make the ultimate decision. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Friends, we need to come to that point where we are shifting our strategy, where we are pivoting. We've possibly found that we've come to an impasse and we can't find any way through. We need to begin to seek God and say, God, what direction would you have me to go? We need to set some new goals and we need to shift. We need to pivot before we're forced ultimately to do so. And number three, don't scrap what you've already done. We read in the book of Genesis, chapters 11 and 12, particularly about a man named Abraham. And Abraham followed his father from the Ur of the Chaldeans, and he was following him to a place called Canaan. And the way to get from the Ur of the Chaldeans to Canaan was the direct route would be to head straight west, but in order to do so, you'd have to go through the desert. And instead, Abraham's father decided that they would travel north along the Euphrates. They went 700 miles to the north. I want you to think about that. Either walking or riding a camel, how long would it take to go 700 miles? Well, they arrived eventually in a city called Haran. And while they were there, undoubtedly resting from the 700 miles they had traveled, before they had gone on to Canaan, the Bible says that Abraham's father died. I can imagine the doubt that Abraham would have had at that time. I'm following my dad. We're going to this place. I don't know where it is. God, what are you doing? And and now his father dies. Do I go back to the Ur of the Chaldeans? Do I stay here in Haran? And the Bible says that God spoke to Abraham. And he told him, I want you to leave Haran. And I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you called Canaan. You've never been there before, but I'm going to send you there. I know this is not your father's idea. This is me calling you to do that. And I imagine that he probably thought to himself, this, is no lo- this isn't my idea. I've just been following my dad. But now God was calling him. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 8, says it this way, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham was 75 years old, and God said, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your people, and I want you to leave most of your family. 
And I want you, now that you've already traveled 700 miles, I want you to travel another 600 miles from where you are right now, which is no place you'd ever been before. I want you to travel to another place that you've never been before. And I'm going to make you into a great nation. Can you imagine the excuses at 75 years of age that Abraham would have come up with? The first thing that he would say is, God, I'm too old to do something like this. My excuse would be, God, my feet hurt. He said, I'm I'm sure he thought, I'm tired. This, This has not been my dream, God. This is just too hard. Let's let's just scrap the whole thing and and I'll just either stay here or I'll go back home but I imagine those excuses would have come to his mind very easily Paul writes about it uh, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6 where he says so also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him credited to him as righteousness Abraham believed God's promise at that halfway point. He didn't stop. He didn't go back. He didn't turn around. He kept on going. When you and I come to a place in our lives where we hit a roadblock and we realize that we're going to need to pivot, we're going to need to change, I think we have many of those same thoughts. God, I, I, I... I'm too tired. I'm too exhausted. My feet hurt. I've been doing nothing but travel. I've been doing nothing but following other people. I have left home and family. God, I'm tired. I'm sick. I don't want to keep doing this anymore. I imagine that we have many of those same thoughts running through our mind. I know if it were me and I was leaving the Ur of the Chaldeans, rather than go 700 miles to the north and then 600 miles to the south, I would be saying, hey, let's head to the west because it's a lot shorter. And yes, it might be through a desert climate, but let's do it because we can get there a lot faster. I'm all about getting places faster. When I travel with my family, I often get myself in trouble because I want to just get there. Let's go. Let's not stop and eat anywhere. Let's just grab a sandwich. Let's get on the road. Let's get there because I want to take as least amount of time getting there as possible. But instead... Abraham had to go along the Euphrates north to Haran and then back down along the other side of the Euphrates down into Canaan because that's where God ultimately led him. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, the writer of Proverbs says this, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Do you know that the direction that you have been going, even when you find yourself at a, a place of standstill and a door has been closed, God has been leading you for a purpose and a plan. I remember when I was, uh, well, actually my parents told me about it. I was probably in, in maybe first or second grade and I used to walk to and from school every day and it was only about three blocks maybe four blocks from our home in a residential neighborhood 
And one day, I was late from coming home from school, and my mother wondered where I was. She said, Kevin, how come you're late? And my response to her was this, Mom, I took the long cut. You know, sometimes the long cut is where God wants us to be. Because it's in the process of that long cut that something happens to us. That we come to that point of decision. That we come to that point of knowing that we need to pivot. That we need to transition. That we need to change and get where God wants us to be. In 2009, there was a little company called Uber that was founded And their motto was, get you anything within five minutes. This would almost work perfectly in my life because my wife says that everything in life that I'm going to do or anywhere I'm going to go, that it's always 10 minutes. I say, well, I'll be there in 10 minutes or I'll do this in 10 minutes. It'll only take me 10 minutes. So Uber would be a really good fit, I think, for me. Uh, But Uber is a company that pre-COVID was valued there's a range, but, but some analysts say that it was worth $60 billion. Some say that it was closer to $100 billion. But when COVID hit, that, that business, uh, the amount of business that they did, decreased by 70%. And as a result, they had to lay off 3,700 employees. And I can only imagine the devastating impact that COVID had because now people that needed a ride from one place to the other, which was their primary function of giving people rides, almost like a taxi service, that people weren't going anywhere. And so they weren't calling for rides. And during that time, what they did was they launched two brand new services They launched uh, Uber Direct, which was uh, to get deliveries uh, from places like pharmacies to your home, and Uber Connect, which you could order, um, and it was a same-day courier, and that went along with their Uber Eats, which was to order restaurant delivery from your community. They had to make a change. They had to do something because the door seemed to be closing. But rather than scrap everything, they used what they were already good at in order to transition, in order to pivot. They didn't scrap the whole thing, they just made a change. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul complains about what he calls a thorn in his flesh. And three different times he prayed that God would remove that thorn in the flesh. And God's answer to him was no. How hard would that be? It seemed like there was a door that ultimately was closing, that that Paul could not move forward because of this thorn in the flesh. And God says this to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. In fact, Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, Paul didn't have to scrap everything he was doing because of his thorn in the flesh. God was saying, Paul, I'm going to strengthen you 
in order to keep going. I'm going to strengthen you to continue to do what I have called you to do. Yes, you may have to pivot. Yes, you may have to make some changes of direction. But my power is going to be made perfect in your weakness. As I close, I just want to just touch on a couple of questions. You say, Pastor, how, how do I know how to pivot? How do I know when to pivot? How do I know when to make those changes in my life? There's something called the organizational life cycle. It's the birth, the growth, the maturity, the decline, and then ultimately the death of an organization. And in that, that point where there's a decline, that's where pivot is it needs to ultimately be made. There's a right time when we should pivot. And I believe that God wants to, he wants to speak to us and give us that time when we need to make that change. But I believe we've got to seek help in the right place. In James chapter one, in verse five, James says this, He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you don't know when to pivot, if any of you don't know how to make that pivot, you should ask God who gives that wisdom generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. I'm reminded that the Bible says of itself that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God's word is going to illuminate our direction when it's time to pivot and which way we need to pivot. Why do you think change is so hard? I think it's because change hurts. Author and life coach Tony Robbins says this, that change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And I know that when it comes to pivoting, when it comes to changing, you might be saying to yourself, I can't do it. Remember the words that Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Would you pray with me? Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. That word that is a light unto our feet a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And you shine that light on our lives and our steps to guide us. Father, we we may make plans, but Lord, ultimately you direct our steps. And I pray that today for the one that is hearing my voice, that is wondering and asking God, how do I make a pivot? How do I make a change? Father, I pray that right now that they would simply say, God, show me. God, direct me. And I pray that they would begin to seek your face. I pray that they would begin to look into your word. And as they they have come to this moment where they feel like the door has been closed, they're at a standstill, they don't know where to go, Father, I pray that the voice of your wisdom would begin to speak into their hearts and that you would guide them. Father, this is an incredible time of change in our nation. I pray for a spirit of peace instead of anxiety, and I pray that we would be able to individually
pivot, that we would be able to change our directions and our actions and that those changes would align with your word. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.